Episode 3, Zach Kaplan. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Creative Credit, a show dedicated to conversations with talent from across the comic book industry. Artists, writers, inkers, letterers, colorists, and more. I'm your host, Chad Bokelman. In this, our third episode, we'll be conversing with Zach Kaplan, creator of such comics as Eclipse, The Lost City Explorers, and my favorite, Port of Earth. But before we get there, as always, a small note. This episode comes out exactly on Earth Day 2019, so naturally, since we're talking a great deal about the newly returned Port of Earth series, I want to be the first to officially wish you a happy Port of Earth Day. But seriously, enough fanboying. Until the interview, that is. In the meantime, I wanted to point out something you may have already gleaned from my first several episodes. The people I'm choosing to converse with are creators I'm already a fan of, but that will not last very long. The questions may not come as easily, and the research will be more involved, but quality will remain as I seek to branch out and really dig deep into the comic book industry. To that end, stay tuned for a special call to action after the interview. But without further ado, I present to you my conversation with Zach Kaplan. All right, guys, on the line, we have Zach Kaplan. Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much. Hey, uh, I, 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 I got to start off. I, I can't, I got to tell the people, they got to know where I'm coming from. I'm a huge fan of Port of Earth. Thank uh, you. I, I've, been, I've been following it since day one. It's very rare that I double dip, but I will get the single issues and I will get the trades. Uh, so uh, it's, it's, it's such a great series. I also have no problem being honest with people. I have not yet yet read Eclipse, but I've been reading a lot about the series, and uh, the way you pitch it uh, makes me want to go. Uh, makes me actually makes me want to wait for like an omnibus. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> about that. I think that that um, we got to wait and see if we're going to be able to pull. I will, I definitely want a, an Eclipse omnibus. Uh, I mean, we're close to finishing the series because we're, we're wrapping up at sixteen. Um, but yeah, you. Uh, you should dive into it, man. It's uh, Eclipse is awesome. I, I'm uh, I'm very proud of where the series has uh, ended up, and uh, if you like what I'm doing in Port of Earth, I, I think they're both pretty, um, you know, uh, hard sci-fi, complex uh, characters and uh, and storylines. Um, uh, yeah, well, I'll come I'll come back when you uh, when you read Eclipse, and we'll uh, we'll talk that yeah. out. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll geek out together about that, man. You're you're a member of the the Writers Guild of America. You taught writing and screenwriting at the International Academy for Film and TV uh, over yeah. in the Philippines. Yeah, uh, you come from a writing background, and Eclipse was your first comic. And a lot of people, you know, I've I've been, I've been interviewing comic creators for a little while, and a lot of people want to start off with, you know, how'd you get to this point? How'd you break into the field? And and this is not to take anything away from your talent, but I've interviewed enough people to know, even the big names, that a lot of it is luck. Uh, 
there is no secret sauce to success in the comics industry. Um, so while I could sit here and talk about your personal inspirations in terms of uh, the comics you've read or things that you've idolized, I, I know as much as anything else, it, it, you couldn't be inspired by comics, Warren Ellis or, or whatever, but you can also be, uh, you're very much a product of your own upbringing. So Eclipse was post-apocalyptic uh, apocalyptic and noir. Port of Earth is sci-fi meets new world exploration. Uh, Lost City Explorers is modern Goonies. Like there's so many things in your world that uh, that sort of inspire these stories. So let's talk about the stuff that inspired you as a kid. Not necessarily the the comics specifically, but what are these things in your life that you're passionate about that lead you down these sci-fi alleyways? Um, when I was a a young kid, I mean, um, beyond comics, it, um, you know, I, I, I was very much into all things Spielbergian. Um, you know, I, I grew up on eighties, uh, adventure stories and movies and sci-fi, but it was sci-fi that really led your imagination, um, down very interesting roads. I, I, um, I went back as I got older to find the sci-fi of the seventies, which I had an appreciation for because it was, it was complex but uh, initially, it was it was um, sci-fi built on on world building and imagination um, that kind of first inspired me. And I think anything that you know, if it was video games like Zelda or you know stuff like that, or it was TV shows. I'm trying to think of what I would have been into in um, uh, in the '80s. I mean, you know, like. Goonies, obviously, Labyrinth, you know, I mean, I, I remember just all those 80s movies that just, um, you know, um, uh, I think there was one called The Explorers. I mean, um, there was all that kind of stuff that was just uh, um, just got my imagination going. I think that's kind of um, in, in worlds, you know, thinking about other worlds beyond our own and not just like alien planets, but uh but uh, other stuff. So I don't know. That that uh, was kind of where it all started. Yeah, with 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 Eclipse, you know, I I you know, in preparation for this for this conversation with you, I was watching a lot of various interviews with you on on YouTube, and you know, you talk about the pitch for it. You talk about how you came up for it. You know, working the late shift and yeah. kind of just think thinking one day like you know what it would be like if if the world was like this. Um, so would it, would it be safe to say that a lot of the ideas that you come up with are, are, I mean, you're, you're a dreamer. You just kind of sit there and, and, and think, uh, just th have a think session and just start jotting down ideas or do you yeah, just wait until just, one I'm really not, strikes you? I have never been the type of writer that has had a problem coming up with ideas. Um, I've got, um, you know, a ton of them and, uh, uh yeah, ideas have never been. The problem, um, and I and I, it's just about the time to flesh them all out and figure out which one um, really sparks something to say. Um, but in terms of thinking of a world or thinking of um, an interesting idea, or an, it, it all it all usually stems from uh, a question about a what if related to a world or dreaming up some sort of uh, concept or some sort of or thing like that, or if it, or if it, if it comes from anything else, if it comes from a, a character 
or a moment, it quickly spawns into, well, if that's the character that I'm thinking about, what's the world? Uh, it always goes to world uh, very quickly. Um, and then it, it all flushes itself out. And, I, and I've been through the, the rodeo of, of generating ideas and generating stories enough to not go too far down one path before thinking about all the other components of, okay, well, if that's the world, what's the character and what way, what am I trying to say and how are those all connected? Um, but yeah, I, um, I've always, I've always had a, a lot of fun. That's always been one of the, the, my, my favorite parts, generating, uh, ideas and thinking of, of those what ifs. Um, yeah. What? One question I had for you, because uh, I, I used to say I'm a bit of a creative writer myself, but uh, it, it's so hard for me to find the discipline to do it. Uh, you know, it's that it's the <laughs> the intimidation of the blank page uh, that, that ends up getting to me in the end. But one thing I, I, I've always liked to ask writers uh, and, and creators like yourself is, well, what do you what do you do to stay disciplined in this? It's one thing to come up with a really incredible idea, get super passionate about it, and then kind of think of a follow through. You know, maybe your main character, maybe their backstory, and that's you're hyper focused on that. But then when you come to the 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 stuff that doesn't come quite as easily, fleshing out that world, the supporting cast, whatever. How do you maintain the discipline? Because you you taught the writing, uh, yeah. and you know, it, how do you how do you? Uh, well, you uh, have to be force you have yourself to, to focus. There, I mean, there's some there's some tips I can share. You have to you have to approach it with discipline. Um, you just have to make yourself disciplined. But I think there's a lot of um, tricks and things. First off, I think. It helps to develop your own system. Um, you know, I think that you you find it along the way. So if you're sitting down to, to create your first story, uh, you're not going to have any system at all. But each time you kind of learn more what works for you. I'm a big fan of outlining and working through a, um, kind of a treatment or a, a beat sheet or something, that a guide that will map everything out. Um, I think that that can make the, the, the blank page less intimidating. Um, in fact, I think that anything that allows you to keep something rough and not think of it as final uh, can be helpful because I think writer's block has a lot of different forms, but um, I think one of the most common ones is, the, the, is, is rooted in a fear of perfectionism and a fear of finality. When you when you talk when writers talk about that blank page, what they're really talking about is the fear of putting down the wrong thing, and that is a really um, irrational fear because there's there, you're going to be able to change that page a, a thousand times over if you want until you are ready. It's a it can be whittled and shaped to to whatever facet you you want. So I think that you know finding ways um, to really keep things rough drafts outlines, um, even, um, you know, I, I, I've talked a lot about this, but um, when you're brainstorming, you can't just go sit on the couch and, uh, and think, what if? Uh, I open up a Word document and I, I write to myself just pages and pages and pages of thoughts. So once I have come up with an idea and I'm starting to flesh it out and think about, well, what is this world? What is this character? I'm writing 20, 30, 40 page brainstorms that are just stream of conscious dumps of all this information and writing it out 
helps me process it and it gives me the freedom to really just explore it in its entirety. And then I'll go back to that document. I'll open up another document that is how I'm going to, you know, whittle this stuff down. I'll say, okay, well, what from all this might be the beginning? What's the middle? What's the end? And start to shape it into a story. So, you know, it's very common and it's very natural. And um, I think that uh, writers just have to remind themselves that um, as long as you're not, as long as you're not actually in production on something, and it's just you creating your story, you're you're you have freedom to um, continue to work on it. That nothing is final, and it doesn't have to be perfect. And um, you can you can continue to hone it. Um, that's the the best advice I can have in terms of of of. Other than that, I mean, you know, you have to just find time during your your. If you're working another job, you have to find um, time and be consistent. Or if this is going to be your full-time job, you've got to uh, show up every day and, and hold your feet to the fire. Um, it's, there's no other way around it. Yeah, there's, there's uh, I, you know, I said earlier on, there's no, there's no secret sauce to success in the comics field. And while that's true, there are some things that you'll notice is common threads with creators, you know, tenacity, passion, you know, the ability to take the no and just learn from it and move on. Um, but knowing a bit about what you, what you were influenced by growing up and in your philosophy surrounding writing, I find your, your, uh, maybe maybe I'm being too much of a fanboy here to say your rise in the comic industry, uh, especially so recently, uh, you started off with Eclipse. Uh, you know, yeah. the, 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 the the first the first uh, interview I've had on the show was Steve Rude, and he was amazing with Nexus. And that was his first big, big work. Uh, and and uh, the, one of his really first works in the industry. And it's very rare for your first work to be this massive success. Uh, so I'm always curious about how these first works become this massive success. So uh, you were working some some odd jobs, but also writing for a little bit. Talk a bit about that right, right before you got the approval for Eclipse. What was that pitch process right, refining the idea and bringing it to people and just going through that grind before you finally got that okay? Well, I mean, I had been pitching comics for years. And um, amongst other things, I mean, I, I think I started pitching comics as early as 05 or 06. Um, so, and then, you know, um, pitch an idea every, every now and then. I, I was, I graduated USC film school in writing and I came out uh, actually very hot. Uh, you know, I, I had a, a spec. I got an agent. I think I was one of the first to get signed by an agent. I went all around town with a spec. I took dozens of meetings and uh, nothing, nothing came of it. It just kind of turned into this, what else you got? And so, you know, I had to buckle down and, and uh, continue to write more stuff. And, um, you know, so I pursued film, I pursued TV, I pursued comics, I pursued any chance I could get. I had so many close calls, things in development, things that were getting packages, pitches sold, nothing that ever, that ever went. And in, in the, in that you know, decade, I was, uh, doing all sorts of, you know, things, cater waiting. Uh, I did, uh, you know, assistant jobs and internships. I did, um, poker dealing. I did the teaching. I did, uh, um, SAT test prep tutoring for several years and, and, and helping, uh, students write college applications 
and you know, I would do a, I would, I would do something, and then I would um, go write for six months or a year, and I'd take a stab at it and try to get things going, and kind of go back and forth. And it was a grind. It was a, it was a grind and a hustle, and I just never gave up believing that. I, I just always kept getting just enough validation and encouragement that I, I, uh, and I believed and uh, I really wanted it, and so I just kept, kept pursuing it and take breaks and. Um, and finally, I, uh, you know, Eclipse landed um, and uh, landed with Top Cow. Matt Hawkins uh, got a chance to, to check out the pitch, and uh, lo and behold, he went for it. And, um, you know, absolutely, uh, I got lucky, um, especially considering that Top Cow is an imprint of image. And so, you know, I, I think there are other creators that this happens to, but it is not every day that a creator gets their first comic series to be uh, an image book. Uh, that's rare. And um, so I didn't even really know what I was getting myself into. I'd always wanted to make a comic. Uh, and I, you know, I love the idea of that, the medium. Um, but then I actually started to do it and kind of uh, learned along the way. And yeah, Eclipse did very well. And suddenly it went from a four issue miniseries to ongoing. And uh, we just kept getting the opportunity to do more and more, and and it and it all kind of spawned into Port of Earth and Lost City Explorers, and uh, and to to everything else that's happened. Um, but yeah, when it before it started, I was I was grinding in terms of getting that that pitch ready. I mean, I I also would pitch differently now, but I think at the core, I've added some visuals to that pitch to try to show what what aesthetically I thought the world would look like and to describe the world and describe the characters and beat out how I saw the whole thing playing out over several issues and where the story could go. Um, you know, I think in retrospect too, it didn't hurt that uh, I was able to point to a stack of, of other scripts that I had written and other things that had almost happened in the, in the industry. So, you know, I think that Top Cow was able to look at me and say, "This is not some. This is not somebody who. Um, you know, this guy has had uh, enough um, opportunities and things happen that maybe we'll give him a shot and let's let's see what let's see what he comes up with." Um, so, but yeah, absolutely. I talk a lot about it, it, it's uh, luck, but also, Chad, if you uh, have followed me, you'll know I'm a, an avid poker player. So. Uh, <laughs> Luck, uh, luck is merely staying at the table long enough until you uh, get the big hand and 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 win the big pot, and then everybody thinks you looked lucky, and uh, it just so happens you were sitting there all day. So, <laughs> right. I, I just sat at the table all day and and uh, kept buying in, and finally finally got lucky. But um, yeah, yeah. I can I can yeah I, I I definitely agree with that. Uh, you know, it's it's it, and I I use the word luck, but I also when when I first brought it up, I wanted to make sure I was pointing out your 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 own skill and your own background, and that this is something you'd been working towards. Uh, you know, Eclipse started what like fall of 2016, and you talk yeah. about this, this this being something you've been working on since. Uh, not necessarily Eclipse, but just pitches since 2006. So that's a decade of grinding yeah. and pushing and pitching. And, uh, you know, when you when you finally get Eclipse, I imagine it's a fist pump in the air. But then at the same time, there's got to be right after that jubilation that, oh, shit, it's an image. <laughs> this is put up or shut up time. <laughs> no, it was in retrospect. I mean, I had read all these image books. I didn't know enough about the industry. And so the irony was 
it, it didn't start to dawn on me, I think, until it dawned on me, like, as it as we were publicizing it. But when I got the gig, it didn't, it didn't occur. I don't know. I was just so, uh, I was so busy focusing on how to do it. You know, someone finally gave me the chance to do a comic book. And so, no, actually, I don't think, I wasn't like, oh, wow, I got an image book as much as, oh, wow, I got a comic book. And, yeah. okay, how the heck am I going to do this comic book now? Okay, well, here we go. Uh, here we go. Let me dust off all my favorite comic books and read them again. And let's let's uh, um, let's okay. Here we go. We're we're actually going to do this thing that I've been you know dreaming of doing for so long and uh, working with Giovanni and um, you know having it actually happen. So I was so busy on um, the whole kind of put up or shut up in terms of making a good story, and then I think when I started to go okay, well. Now we're gonna. Now we're ready. Once we, once we were actually coming out with it, we had three issues in the can, and uh, once we started to publicize it, and I started to kind of better understand the previews and all this stuff because I never I never did that before. I mean, before when I walked into a comic book shop, I just browsed the aisles and so. Oh, you know, what else is uh, Rick Remender writing or what else is I, I just wasn't as astute. It wasn't to say I didn't love comics. I just wasn't um, I, I had favorite creators and I had favorite uh, stuff. But I I talk about this, too, because, you know, uh, I, we'll segue here. But, I, you know, going out to all these cons, sometimes I uh, convention comic cons and I find myself hanging out with other creators. And, and, and some of these guys, um, their knowledge is is rich. And they'll they'll be talking about comics from the '80s or '90s, and I just can't keep up because I, in the '80s and '90s, I was reading, I was reading superhero stuff, but I didn't have any older siblings, I didn't have any friends that were really in comics, and I never really approached it as, um, I was never an aficionado. I was never like, you know, I don't know. It wasn't like I collected baseball cards, and I knew my my stuff back then like I knew all the baseball card brands and all and I knew all the dates and all this stuff like I was really I, I was an aficionado when it came to that when it came to comics I just was reading them for entertainment purposes and I wasn't really following creators it, the, the concept of an artist a following artist I what that was all stuff that I wasn't paying attention to when I was a 10 year old kid but that's not everyone there are some ten, there were some 10 year olds who were like comic aficionados and it wasn't until, you know, I, I came back to comics um, in my 20s. And that was when I kind of rediscovered uh, all the Vertigo books and, and Dark Horse books and creator-owned stuff. And, um, you know, Warren Ellis and Brian K. Vaughn and Greg Rucka and all those these guys doing this great stuff. But even then... I was I was amazed by their stories and I, I and I followed the creators, but the nuances of 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 all the publishers that some of those things were just lost on me. And it wasn't until I got into it all that I kind of started to, to, to realize it all. So it wasn't in, until in retrospect that I kind of went, Oh, Oh yeah. Right. Um, um, images, <laughs> images is, uh, I, I got a lot of, uh, pressure on me, on me here. So, um, uh, yeah. 
Well, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm desperate to talk about Port of Earth, but I, you know, I've I've heard the pitch for Eclipse. You know, the the sun is our enemy; it burns your skin. There's someone out there uh, uh, killing or harming people with yeah. uh, use, using sunlight. The 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 sci-fi aspect of it is very clear to me in the title and in that sort of brief pitch. The noir aspect is something I want to hear just a little bit more about because one of my favorite movies of all time is The Maltese Falcon. Yeah. So you say noir, you say there's some detective stuff going on. What's what's kind of what's sort of the, the pitch for that side of the eclipse world? Well, uh, I studied Chad noir in uh, at USC. I took um, a, a noir class with Drew Casper for all uh, people who are USC out there. So I know my noir and Maltese Falcon uh, and crisscross and uh, all these uh, things quite well. Double indemnity, and uh, uh, I would say you know it's noir. Because it's a classic, uh, at the core is this, this unlikely detective who's uh, cut off from the rest of the world. And uh, he is uh, pulled into um, a mystery with both the murder and um, conspiratorial implications, uh, grandiose uh, um, uh, villains behind the scene. And... Uh, in that regard, uh, some of the plot uh, machinations are very uh, noir, um, not to mention that noir as a genre is, is one that plays with light and darkness. And, and that trope is turned on its head here because uh, instead of having a, a prevailing darkness, we have a prevailing uh, bright sunlight. And, uh, and then they're all hiding in, and living in the dark. So I think that there are some, and Giovanni and I talked about this, the, the, the visual aesthetics of noir have been, have been inverted in Eclipse. And then from a plot and character standpoint, I think that um, very much Vax has a, a very hard streak of that, of that hard-boiled um, detective who doesn't say much who's cynical against the world, who doesn't think much of anyone, who's really just tr trying to stick his neck out for nobody and get by. And uh, unfortunately, he gets pulled in a, a little too much. Um, it, the, 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 the key difference is Eclipse is also an action story. And uh, it was always very important to use the sunlight um, in action sequences. And so it also it also veers into uh, a lot of action, which helps it become very fast paced. And uh, when he's not being a hard boiled detective, he pulls out the gun, and uh, we have we have a lot of fun with the with the action there. But um, Eclipse is a really interesting mash of so many different genres because it's post apocalyptic and dystopian. It's it's noir detective and action. Um, and then at the core, I mean, for for all the fans out there, it's a it's a really, um, it's a really strong character story. I mean, it's ultimately about a few people, and it follows the the complexity of these dilemmas that they're being put in, and it and it has a lot to say about how we handle uh, tragedy and and disaster and um, society and and connection and um, um, so yeah, there's a lot a lot that we got to play with in Eclipse. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and, so and it's ending. It's ending very soon. What is noir? If uh, does that does that sound uh, noir to you? 
Hey, you know I was already sold, but uh, <laughs> uh, you, the, you you just guaranteed that if I for some reason don't pick up any issues between now and the end of the series with sixteen, that uh, if my first purchase of Eclipse is through an omnibus, I'm not going to be sad. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that, there's there you go, Top Cow. That you have one omnibus sold sight unseen. <laughs> I, I'm pushing for it, but we have to. I think we got to wait. That decision will probably be made after we come out with the fourth uh, trade. But 16 issues will fit very nicely in an omnibus. So uh, I, I'm very much in favor of it. For sure. Well, moving on to Port of Earth, because this is where this is where I discover you. This is where I, I uh, as, as a comics uh, fan, as a podcaster, I, I check out previews. And I turned the page one day and read a simple premise. What if aliens came to Earth, not in peace or in violence, but in business, and decided, I'm buying issue one. I don't care what's happening, but we're giving it a shot. Um, so, uh, man, I, I can't tell you how many people who are non-comic fans who maybe I can't bring over and you know convince to open an issue and actually read, who I say, look, you know, here's what I'm reading, here's what I really like, and I tell them about Port of Earth, and I give them that pitch, and they go, oh, oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> so... Uh, man, it's, it's, uh, it's captivating a lot of people and I'm, I'm really enjoying the hell out of this, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I gotta know where this came from for you, man. The, 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 it's, it's coming out in a unique sort of schedule. It's almost like a three act thing sort of happening. Maybe more, of course, going down the line, depending on how, how much you have this world fleshed out. Well, you no, tweeted. I'm, yeah, yeah well, go I'll, ahead. I'll talk about the schedule and then I'll talk about the idea. I mean, so we did the first eight issues. And uh, for me, that's season one. And uh, we're going to do uh, another eight issues here. And I, I view them as, even though Top Cow releases four issue uh, arcs, um, you can't, volume one and volume two are, are essentially one, one story, one, one season of, of um, those two agents and that experience. And uh, issue nine kicks off season two, which I am super excited about. And uh, we're we're I've I've we've got eight issues planned just to go for season two, and then if if all continues to look good, which it is, um, it, it seems like we're just going to do another season after that, which will be another eight issues. So we're looking at the whole thing in eight issue arcs, and 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 right now, um, um, sky's the moon. So um, in terms of where I came up with the idea, it was an interesting blend of reading a lot about human history, which I love to do and, and always looking for ideas in, in that. And I think at, at the time I had recently read about colonization, Europeans coming to the new world here. And, and, and it was that mixed with seeing another trailer for aliens invading uh, us and, and trying to, to blow up our planet. And uh, it just seemed, it just seemed like, how come no one ever, views aliens coming to our planet um in in a more human way <laughs> and so uh that was kind of the the genesis of port of Earth. what if they came in in business and uh, what if it was kind of like the way all human uh history is when two civilizations um interact for the first time um it's not in war it's usually in in trade and 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 it all it starts small and then the the conflicts grow out of that 
And um, yeah, it just kind of went from there. Um, once I had the premise of aliens are coming in business, it, it was, well, they're, they're coming to set up a port here. They, they, don't, they don't want to take our planet. They want to try deal with our planet. And, and uh, our planet is water, and we're in the, in the middle. We're on the outskirts of the Milky Way. So the aliens are traveling a, a, across the galaxy, and they need a, a, a water port as they, they come along their way. And so we, they offer us advanced technology, and what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, like I said, I, I can't gush about it enough, so I'll stop being a fanboy and be a, a true interviewer here. So I'll, I'll you know, I'm, I really enjoy. Here's here's the thing about the the first several issues of, of Port of Earth. I'm really intrigued by the story. I'm really enjoying it, but the port itself becomes this. It's like it's like you're at a, a convention and you're in a really interesting panel and you're really sucked in. But then someone's like the crowd goes wild in the panel room next door and you can't help but wonder what the hell's going on over there while you're still engrossed in what's happening in front of you. And that's what the port itself was like. It's like, yeah, Zach, I'm with you on this story. What the hell is happening in the port? And yeah. then you tweeted you tweeted out the other day. Uh, that issue nine, which uh, as as this uh, episode releases, came out last Wednesday. Uh, issue nine is like welcome to Jurassic Park, <laughs> and that that you couldn't have encapsulated that better. <laughs> well, the port, yeah, the port always had the, the, the irony is that the story doesn't take place on in the port. The, the story takes place predominantly uh, on the mainland, so to speak, and the port is this mysterious uh, thing, and so much so that I had to. Uh, you know, bite my lip and, and not even show the port, the inside of the port until issue seven, uh, when, when, um, the two agents finally, uh, get a chance to, to go there. And there we only see it briefly. And, um, so yeah, it is, a, it is an onion that we continue to pull the layers back on. And the consortium, uh, is the group of aliens that we've made a deal with. And we don't really know anything about them. And uh, so we continue to pull the, the layers back on them. And I, I'm super excited about issue nine because, yes, uh, we, we do go back to port right away. And we, uh, we do begin to learn a lot more about who we have made this deal with. And um, I think that season one kind of just, if you've been digging that, it kind of just set the stage because season two is, uh, is nuts in terms of how fast-paced uh, things get going, and now that the table is set, we really got an opportunity to um, ratchet everything up, and um, it's it's been a blast. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, um, so I'm very excited for for it to begin and to let everyone check it out. Yeah, and obviously we're recording this in advance, so you were you were kind enough to you know grant me a ticket to the port with a a look at issue nine and. Uh, but yeah, I guess it starts I the way now that this is out, uh, people, uh, uh, Port of Earth has been um, just come out and it's uh, it's out in stores. So uh, we're we're talking about it. Some people might have already checked it out, and some people might uh, be on their way to get it. Yeah, so I, I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, by by the way, we we figured out toward, at the beginning of this before we all start we started this conversation that this whole this episode is releasing on Earth Day. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's Port of Earth Day, guys. Go pick Port up your issues. <laughs> um, 
but uh, this this issue starts the way a lot of them have with the, the journalistic side of things. And a lot of people can read that and go, oh, he's doing the whole Watchmen thing or the uh, Dark Knight Returns thing. But it you, you can't you can't. That's such a, such a broad storytelling tactic. You can't just say he's aping somebody else. So when you say uh, when you're using these things, when I see your background in writing and your background in storytelling, I'm just curious about why you decided to go with that particular method of sort of revealing the story through this journalistic stuff. Because yeah. as a kid, I wanted to be a journalist. So I, I, I know I, I did a lot of research into what that world was like, and I idolized some journalists. So seeing you use that storytelling uh, uh, device is really interesting to me. It actually wasn't... Um at all. In fact, I mean, you pointing out Watchmen or Dark Knight, I kind of go, yeah, but it wasn't actually uh, in my mind at all, those references. What was in my mind was the fact that I watch a lot of uh, television and I watch a lot of politics. I have just the news on in the background, um, you know, for, for years now. And one thing that I've noticed um, about current events and the way we consume our news is I think we, I feel anyway, and I think a lot of people feel very detached and in the dark about the things that are going on in our world, that we're watching them confused and frustrated and not sure what's true and what, not sure what's real. And it, it makes us feel very alienated from what's actually going on. And I wanted to capture that. And I thought, what better way to do that than tell this story like the readers are at home watching this all on CNN or WNN. And you don't you you are at a distance to this story that you're not actually, um, you know, a, alongside the characters at the very beginning so much as you are at the, the viewer and you're watching this on the screen. And it makes us feel like it's very real. It, it, it's it, there's some that, that that delivery device makes it feel very current, and it's very frustrating because we're we're hearing the story of alien visitors coming into human cities, causing trouble, and there's these attacks and there's these incidents, and, and we don't know enough. There's no there's no narrator. All the information you're getting, it you don't know if it's true or not. You don't know what's real or not. Um, we don't know who the consortium is. We don't know anything about about the galaxy. This port and this setup has been dropped in our laps. And so much like if this actually happened, we would not have a tremendous amount of information, the, the, the average citizen. And I think it just makes it feel really um, authentic. I mean, one of the best compliments I get on Port of Earth is, oh, yeah, this is how it's going to happen. But I love hearing that because it, it makes me feel that the some of the story time that we've we've chosen to, to do is working, that people feel this is current and authentic. And so um, that was the, the whole reasoning behind seeing this um, this uh, journalistic interview unfold at the beginning of each issue. And so the first the first season um, our, our interviewer, Julia Campbell with WNN is interviewing the head of the Earth Security Agency, Tom Rutgers, and he's talking about 
how the Earth Security Agency is here to protect human beings and how wonderful it is. And uh, she's challenging this notion to ultimately reveal that maybe the Earth Security Agency is also looking out for the interests of the port and the consortium and the deal and the alien visitors, and maybe not so much for the human uh, population. And um, uh, the new season, we have a new uh, guest that is being interviewed. And I don't want to spoil it, but um, we have a ton of fun with it. And if you thought it was uh, frustrating to watch uh, the head of the ESA get interviewed, wait until you see our new guest. Uh, <laughs> I will I'll leave it there because I don't want to spoil it. But uh, No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I turned that page and I was like, oh, 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 we're going there already. OK. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was fantastic to see. Well, uh, you know, I I I, I can't. I could gush about Port of Earth all day, but we have a time limit to stick to. And so I want to get to a bit into Lost City Explorers from Aftershock. Yeah. Um, I know that's I, that's on pause right now, right? It is on pause. We did five issues, and uh, and uh, yeah, we're, we're paused. I would like to do more, but um, we're waiting. We're waiting on that. So, um, But the, 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 the first five issues stand alone. Uh, enough that I, um, I think you can pick it up and check it out. It's a lot of uh, a lot of fun. It's um, it's about a group of uh, modern teenagers and they go looking for a lost city under Manhattan. So it's urban exploration, archaeology, and sci-fi all kind of mashed together. Yeah, it's uh, I've I've seen a, a lot of preview images um, and uh, some comic panels here and there. Uh, haven't been able to pick it up myself yet, but. Uh, I, I gotta admit, I didn't. I didn't really. I while I grew up with Goonies, it wasn't my favorite movie as a kid. So the the pitch didn't initially bring me in. But I, my brother in law is a huge fan of it, and I think this might be. I, I'm gonna have to get it because this might be my tool to bring him into the comic world. It's definitely. So, uh, it's definitely uh, a little. I mean, compared to Port of Earth and Eclipse, it's a little lighter. Uh, and yet the irony is, compared to most uh, young adult adventures out there it's a little heavier because it's me and so uh i i was interested in a slightly more mature grounded gritty tone to a adventure with with teenagers um so you know but it's i don't think i i it's not exploring eclipse and port of earth are definitely um got some kind of thought-provoking not social commentary because I don't know what the hell I'm I'm saying, but I'm 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 um they're they're a little more uh, thought provoking and and Lost City Explorers a little more fun and and thought provoking on an imaginative landscape in terms of making us think about what's underneath our feet and 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 you've got cities like New York that are rebuilt over on top of themselves time and time again and so much history and myth are lost underneath there and and we kind of just go about our daily lives not thinking about all the history and all the interesting stuff that that might be waiting for us and and i think we as a, as a society have kind of lost a, a a wanderlust that maybe once existed and so it it, it kind of taps into some of that stuff um but I, but um it's definitely a lot of fun i i i had a great time writing it and, and speaking of fun, I have to ask about this. Uh, you've done Eclipse and Port of Earth for for Image and, and Top Cow. You've done Lost City Explorers for Aftershock. Then all of a sudden, out of left field, I see some solicitations that Nightwing 57 and 58 
has you doing scripting with Scott Lobdell doing the plots. What is it like for you to go from these indie sort of creator-owned and, and creator-kind-of-driven books to suddenly working for one of the big two on was, an I- icon? It was surreal. Um, yeah, I mean, DC reached out to me uh, based on my work, and they were interested in, in uh, starting a relationship. And um, uh, Nightwing, uh, they needed someone to step in and script that. And uh, so I did. It was, it was a, a train very much... Uh, already uh, moving at 60 miles an hour uh, in terms of, uh, you know, Labdell was plotting it and the art was already uh, being drawn and I was asked to, to come in and, and lend a hand uh, um, doing the script, um, which was a very uh, interesting uh, experience. But uh, I had a blast doing it, especially um, really going back and and. and rereading a lot of uh nightwing and uh really gaining i mean you just when you're reading uh stuff just for your own entertainment you you don't you don't delve as i don't delve as deep as versus you know when i sat down to go okay i'm gonna write this uh i'm gonna write nightwing and let's really dive and so i i i did a ton of research and read a lot about him and really found him to be such a such a fascinating um, complex character. And so I had a lot of fun, uh, to, to try to lend my words just to, uh, a, a brief, uh, snippet of his, uh, history. So it was very cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, 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 you use the keyword that I, you know, in an interview, I wouldn't, I'd be remiss if I didn't pounce on, but I know how things work. So I won't, I won't dig too far. Uh, start a relationship with DC. Now, there, you. If anything is happening down the line, I'm positive you can't talk about it. But I did have one question written down. Ignoring the big, the big Justice League main members, if you could write any six issue mini about an obscure DC Comics character, who would you write it for? Um, I am very interested in uh, the Green Lantern universe. Uh, <laughs> oh yes. I um I really um and I love what Grant Morrison is doing right now in um in Green Lantern and I um I find I find it to be a very uh fertile landscape for um for for all the things I love not only fun imaginative worlds and um exciting action and thrills and fast paced stories but also more complex, um, interesting landscapes. I mean, I, I just think about, uh, I, you know, you don't want to talk about touchstones, Chad, and, and what I watched growing up. I watched uh, Star Trek Next Generation uh, after school every day for its entire run. And then I went back and watched uh, all of uh, the original Star Trek. And I loved Star Trek. Uh, it was so interesting to me that each, each trip they took was this small microcosm of human psychology and, you know, um, it's just so many interesting um, experiences. And I think the Green Lantern um, series does that from time to time too. And I really appreciate that. And um, that's my, you know, I love stories that make me think, Um, you know, Grant Morrison's uh, just latest issue where, where, uh, this god type character buys uh, <laughs> buys Earth, 
and and uh, and what happens there, and that kind of it's just so that's I really enjoy that kind of thing, and that's that's fun. So that's a sandbox that I would love to play in, and um, yeah, I you know I like um, there's so much I like on on DC, and there's a lot of uh, interesting characters in, in the in, you know that uh, that don't have series, you know whether it's uh, Adam Strange or um, or the question. There's a lot of cool, cool, cool characters that uh, that I like. But um, but yeah, if they if they said you could do whatever you want to do, uh, uh, Green Lantern Universe would be pretty awesome. And he's not pandering, folks. <laughs> so that's wow. uh, that's a that's a true answer. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm all, I'm all here for it. Um, I, I love more obscure, obscure characters too. You know, like uh, one of my favorite characters of all time is like Ragman. Um, so you know, uh, th- there's, there's lots of fertile ground to be there. You know, you've got Eclipse, you've got Port of Earth, you did the Nightwing, you did Lost City Explorers. Uh, talk a bit about what may be coming up for you. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, I don't, I haven't seen any new news yet about some new series out and maybe I'm missing something. No, uh, yeah. Reading a lot of your stuff. Yeah. I, I was, I always, I was always thinking you know, for, for a moment, I was like, what if he did like a, a Ray punk sort of sort like Barbarella and lost in space, sort of sci-fi Ray punk sort of a thing. Well, I, you know? I, I could probably pull that up. I have a lot of irons in the fire, and I think one, a couple of things that have happened in the past year, uh, um, I, I, you know, everything jumped off to a very fast pace. Uh, but then, you know, I have two uh, ongoing series that are uh, going deep: Eclipse and Port of Earth. And um, so, you know, bringing those back, Eclipse returned, uh, and halfway through last year, and Port of Earth's coming back, and it was important to me to really to spend time in these, do them justice, and uh, so. Um, but I, I have a lot of um, stuff in the works, and I don't know that it will. Um, I don't know when it will if it'll come out by the end of this year, or if it will all just um, hit in 2020. Um, but there's a lot of stuff in the works that I I, I can't talk about because it's 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 um, it's it's uh, in the works. <laughs> can't talk about it yet. But uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah. There's a, a lot of a lot of st- stories that I'm um, that I'm excited to 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 bring to comics. So uh, yeah. Well, speaking of things you can sort of tease but not fully talk about. Yeah. Uh, e- Eclipse optioned by Skybound. Uh, Port of Earth optioned by Skybound. Maybe with uh, with Amazon along for the ride. I'm not sure if Eclipse is there for that as well. Uh, Lost City Explorers with Universal. All three of them, dude. Hit, hit, yeah. hit, hit for options. What yeah. is going through your mind right now? <laughs> it's surreal. That it's um that 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 portion of the ride, the whole thing has been uh, very surreal. And um, yeah, uh, I uh, I cannot um, conceive of actually having them one of them on television, and yet uh, it is very possible. So. Uh, I'm just kind of keeping my head down and focusing on on continuing to write good um, comics. All, all three, um, I mean, all three of them are in development. Port of Earth is the furthest along because it is uh, at Amazon. Um, there's a writer who is uh, uh, writing a pilot that is un- unannounced, and so I can't talk about that. But um, there's a pilot being written, and so for those of you who understand the process of 
of TV development. Um, once the pilot's written, they will look at it and uh, determine whether or not they're ordering a series. So that's one decision away from from a green light to television, which is, uh, again, uh, very surreal for me. Uh, Universal uh, is behind Lost Explorers and Skybound is uh, um, behind Eclipse. And those are um, still in development and both coming along. And, uh, you know, time will tell, but, um, it, it's, it's very exciting and, and very, uh, surreal. And I, I am just, uh, uh, I don't know what to make of it all. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a great, it's a great time to, um, for comics and, and, and cross medium as far as I'm concerned. And, um, I, I think it's a very exciting time I, and I'm, I'm hoping that as all of these, there's a lot of great comic books that are being adapted into film and TV. And I think it's a, a good thing um, if they're done right, because I, I'm hoping that what a little do is showcase how amazing comic books are and, and bring more people to the medium and, um, you know, um, just continue to show that, that sto great stories can, can be found anywhere. So um, I get very excited about it, but uh you know, I'm I'm full steam ahead uh, writing my comics and and um, and I'm I'm helping the development process wherever I can. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's all very sur exciting and surreal. Awesome. Well, uh, we we got to let you go, but I got one final question because uh, this show is called Creative Credit, and no man is an island unto himself. Uh, with Eclipse, you got Giovanni. With Port of Earth, you got Andre. With uh, Andrea, with uh, Lost City Explorers, you got Alvaro. Uh, talk about your your artistic partners on this, man. Well, um, and I'll add, um, um, Eclipse is uh, initially uh, colored by Chris Northrup, and then we um, went to Flavio Dispenza, and Port of Earth uh, was uh, Vladimir Popoff, and and now we have Jordan Boyd and uh, um, D Kuniff. Uh, did uh, Lost City Explorers and Troy Pateri uh, did letters on all three. And uh, I have um, been spoiled rotten with artists. Spoiled. So uh, mm -hmm. it's so uh, cruel, Chad. I've, I've really been ruined um, because Giovanni is just, uh, you know, you haven't read Eclipse, but the, the artwork is something else he is uh, the level of detail that he brings the level of passion in world building that he brings uh and not to mention the amazing uh sun kills that we do and you can't read eclipse without seeing how brilliant he is andrea uh is such an uh passionate emotional uh um visual artist it's such an interesting style i'm so um proud of that style um for port of earth because it's i don't think what you would expect this very um i i think it's a style that just fits in an unexpected way and so and then alvaro was a rel is a relatively new artist he's only done a couple things and he just uh did a fantastic job capturing not only the underground world of lost explorers but more importantly these really heartfelt moments with these these young adults and 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 the pain and and the the just all the emotion that that they're going through on that ride he he just nailed it and so i i've been uh and then the colorists i mean good lord 
you know, Chris did a great job starting the palette on Eclipse. Flavio is just amazing. Um, Vladimir and Jordan Boyd are both amazing colorists. Um, Jordan is something else. Um, what he's doing in the second arc of, uh, uh, of uh, Port of Earth. And, uh, and D is uh, amazing, what he did in Lost the Explorers. And, and Troy is an amazing letter. So I've just been, um, I've been spoiled rotten by amazing uh, creators that just make me look great. And, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And I've got, so, and you know, and um, and even on, uh, on Nightwing, you know, um, um, Travis Moore and, and Tamara Bond Villain were amazing. Uh, they did a great job with the art there. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, have decided that I am only going to work with, like, amazing, amazing <laughs> artists from now on. And uh, Put it yeah. in your writer. <laughs> it is in my writer. It is in my writer. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time out to come on the show. I My mean, I've, I've I've really been enjoying Port, Port of Earth. I'm a true fan of it, and uh, I'm a fan of you too, man. You seem really genuine, and uh, and and you know a lot. Of the, you were mentioning earlier you're a fan of comics, but you're not the aficionado, and and trying to and and watching you kind of just soak up this world seem is is a fun ride. Um, so Port of Earth, man, uh, issue number nine came out last Wednesday. As people hear this, if on the day it releases. 10 will be coming soon. Eclipse is wrapping up. Anything else you want to tell the people? Try and get them out there to the shops and, and pick up the books? No, I mean, uh, no, that's it. Eclipse is, Eclipse is wrapping up, and it's and it's an amazing finale. I'm, I'm super proud of it. Porterverse return. Uh, I am super excited for you guys to check out what we're doing there. Uh, and then uh, enjoy, enjoy those while I'm off in the kitchen uh, cooking up some more. And, uh, and thanks so much for reading my stuff. I appreciate it. No problem at all, man. We're happy to do it, and uh, thanks for giving us some amazing stuff to read. Thank you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Zach Kaplan. At this point, it comes as no shock that these conversations just seem to get easier and easier. Initially, I felt like I may have even talked over Zach at a couple of small points and was concerned about the logistics of editing it out. But frankly, it just showcases the enthusiasm in the conversation itself. Zach was extremely generous with his time and even gave me an, at the time, advanced copy of Port of Earth number 9 to read. As of this air date, Port of Earth number 9 came out last Wednesday, so rush on over to your local comic shop and ask for Port of Earth number 9. While you're there, pick up Volume 1 and Volume 2 trade paperbacks, too. Oh, and pre-order number 10, which is set to release on May 15th. Now, very rarely will a comic industry sales pitch sway me into a purchase without first reading or flipping through an issue, but Zach's pitch and passion for Eclipse really sold me on it. As we speak, I've got the first trade ordered at my local comic shop. So thanks one last time to Zach for coming on the show. Now, your feedback. Over on Twitter, Zach Kaplan said, Hey, quit monopolizing the episode, Zach. <laughs> Just teasing. Side note, isn't it cool how Twitter allows us these little moments? Regardless, Zach said, I had a blast talking with Chad and our detailed Port of Earth convo hits next Monday. Well, welcome to the episode, folks. <laughs> it seems Zach confirms he had just as much fun on the show, so that's good to know. Thank you so much for already help advance promoting the episode before it was even out. Laurel sent me a message that reads, Another nice conversation, Chad. Great to get perspective of a creator of color. Never occurred to me that all superheroes are by definition social justice warriors. 
Glad you asked about how much blame or not should go to the editors of the big two. Also, I was really interested in why Batman couldn't be a black man because of how the generations-old privileged inheritance background necessary to the character prevents it. Or how a gay Alan Scott could still have children as a sperm donor or use a surrogate mother so Jade and Obsidian could still exist. Never considered ideas like that. Really like the show, so keep up the good work. Thanks again, Laurel. Laurel is always very kind, very supportive of the show, and uh, sent me that in a, in a direct message. So that was really cool to log on to Twitter one day and get that little notification pop up. So thanks so much, Laurel. We also got a review on iTunes from Rata Seti, who left five stars and said, Thank you for this show. This is what I've been waiting for, a show about the creators. You got to ask questions I've always wanted to know about, the lateness of books. Steve Rude was blunt, and I respect that. Thank you so much, Seti. It's really nice to have another five-star review over on iTunes. Uh, that means a very great deal to me. So I really do appreciate you taking the time to head on over to iTunes and, and leave that review over on iTunes for more and more people to see and get a feel for the show and decide to download. That's very helpful. So that's going to do it for feedback for this episode. And yes, it's certainly a little light, but I would love to come back next month with exponentially more tweets, emails, and reviews to read. Every little bit helps share the show to more and more people. At the moment, I don't have our next episode recorded, so I can't tell you who's on next, but there are talks currently happening. So keep an eye on Twitter because I always give our followers their first peek at who's next, which brings me to our call to action mentioned earlier on in this episode. As you know, I'm down to talk with any creator about anything. And I've had some fun talking to Steve Rude, Kwanzo Sajifo, and now Zach Kaplan. But we've unintentionally become a bit of a boys club. So let's bring on some of the fantastic women working in the field. I've got a bit of a wish list. So if you or someone you know can help bring on any of these talented women in the field, your reward will be a fun and engaging conversation of honesty about the comics industry and their published works. So who do I have my mic on the lookout for? Well, in a perfect world, here's a few. Fiona Staples, Ramona Fraden, Laura Allred, Karen Berger, Amanda Connor, Jeanette Kahn, Nicola Scott, Gail Simone, and more. So if you can, let them know the Creative Credit Podcast is looking for their voice. I admire all of their works and hope to have them on the show soon. To that end, if you'd like to follow the show, you can follow it on Twitter at creativecredit underscore. You can also send an email to lanterncast at gmail.com and be sure to mention creative credit in the subject line. Until next time, remember, Marvel or DC, television or film, print or digital, we're all comic fans. And as Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, let me never fall into the vulgar mistake of dreaming that I am persecuted whenever I am contradicted. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on Creative Credit do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Creative Credit is not affiliated with any comic industry publisher unless otherwise mentioned. Music for the show was produced by the Bad Mamma Jammas from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, found at Bad Mamma Jammas on Facebook.
John Jones of Mars. Katmatui of Gorgar. Ronnie Raymond of Earth. Al Pratt of Earth. Ginny Lynn Arthur Curry. Carter Hall. Kendra Saunders. Ted Gord. Arani Desai. Ten years ago, a crashing wave of light erupted across the DC Universe. A multicolored spectrum of energy bathed the cosmos in a war of light. Rage clashed against passion. Hope sought to stifle fear. Greed to choke out compassion. And in the middle of it all, the will to keep going and fight for all. Now this war has come to the surface of our planet because while the light fights, the darkness rises. Hero, villain, friend, foe, family. Across the universe, the dead have risen, and it's going to take every available podcaster to fight back. In 2016, we covered the dawn of the Justice League with Justice League Year One. In 2017, we soaked in the seminal justice. Last year, we threw it back to the Silver Age. But this year's JLMA podcast event covers an event that knows not the boundaries of death itself. JL May covers Blackest Night in celebration of the event's 10-year anniversary. Our coverage begins on April 30th with the podcast of Oa and proceeds through the entire month of May with Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, The Idolhead of Diablo, The Fire and Water Podcast, Head Speaks, Coffee and Comics Podcast, Longbox Crusade, Waiting for Doom, Task Force X, the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, the Dr. DC Podcast, the Birds of Prey Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, and ends with the Lantern Cast. So join us this May, because across the DC Universe, the dead have risen. Where will you be?